Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Good afternoon. Christina Rivera is an author, speaker, consultant, and internet radio show host of Savvy Business Life Unscripted. Christina comes from a background in corporate finance and has more than 25 years of experience in the field of corporate finance and accounts receivable. Since the conception of her show, Savvy Business, in 2012, she has interviewed over a thousand businesses, foremost experts and successful individuals of walks of life. March 2020, she also published her first book, Having It Made, A Journey of Rediscovery and Purpose. And today, Christina is going to talk to us today about fear and is it holding you back? Welcome to our podcast today, Christina. Thank you, Denise. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're quite welcome. So you do have a recent book that you have uh, published. And in that book, you talk about a number of key fears that hold people back in life. Now, talk a little bit about conquering those. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's funny. This book came about having it made a journey of rediscovery and purpose actually came about more than probably 12, 13 years ago. Now I was in corporate America, really unhappy. I'm sure a lot of people out there listening and can relate and gaining weight, unhealthy, all this good jazz and feeling is this it for the next 30 years? I don't think so. I can't do that. And uh, so I started to search like, let's go within, let's figure out what I like. Um, you know, because you forget, you get on this hamster wheel of just doing things every day and not even thinking about what you're doing. And so I started a blog, 101 Mistakes and What I Learned in Business. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and basically the blog was what this book turned out to be. And a good portion of the blog was interesting. People said, I love the fact that you're sharing your story and your mistakes and what you learned. But one of my friends said, I noticed your story center a lot around your fear your anguish about things. And I never anticipated that I was living in so much fear and, and, and uh, scared of a lot of different things in my life. And so I started to examine that. And that's where in 2006, I made the decision that I would not only start to conquer my fears, but I would start with one of my biggest ones, which was the fear of flying. And number two, my fear of intimacy, because I wanted to eventually get married, which I'm married now. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So, so first I want to applaud you. Um, that type of vulnerability and transparency is, it can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and coming from a business owner perspective, I know that sometimes we feel like we're a little bit on our own in that, you know, the challenges that we have, and we all have problems, um, whether that's mm -hmm. personal or in your business, you know, while I'm focusing on the business, you know, for the purpose of the podcast, you know, we all have those, but we don't always feel comfortable airing what those problems and challenges are, mm -hmm. especially amongst peers who are potentially our clients as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny you say that, Denise, because when I started the blog, I was in corporate America still. So I wasn't thinking that anyone was going to read it. It was kind of just my way to journal and get it out. And then I started to get 20,000, you know, people reading it and downloading it and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, people are reading this? Ah, um, and then people started saying, when's it going to be a book? Well, I certainly didn't want to put it into print and uh, 
you know, publish it. Um, so I kept holding on to it. It would took about 15 years before I now published my book. Um, but it took a long time for me to do that. And then through that journey, I not only conquered my fear of flying uh, and intimacy, found a wonderful partner, now husband, uh, and eventually uh, started my own business, Savvy Business Radio. So it, yeah, it's been a long journey. And it started with you know, just beginning to examine some of the things that I was scared of, had fears of, and how do I begin to challenge those fears? And, you know, like I said, we all face it. Do you think that this puts a sense of complacency or just allows us to settle for mediocrity when we we don't face those fears? I, I think so. I think we made, I know for myself, I made excuses about why I had a lot of the fears. And, and I'm, I know I made rationalizations why it wasn't possible. Like when it came to finding a good partner, well, there's no good men out there. They're all, <laughs> they're all married. <laughs> you know, you, you make those kind of excuses instead of examining, well, what am I looking for? Am I attracting the wrong type of guy or whatever it might be? When it comes to business, it might be, well, you know, it's safer staying in this job because, you know, I don't want to be without any income, I have a family to feed, you know, you make these rationalizations. So it keeps you kind of in a small bubble until one day. And this is really interesting, Denise. I remember during that same time, my uncle died, uh, my grand uncle, and I went to the hospital and he was, you know, at this point in the hospice and I had just started flying lessons. And he said to me, I am so um, jealous and kind of envious of you because I always wanted to fly a plane. I said, really? I actually, I never wanted to fly a plane. I just wanted to get, conquer my fear. He said, yeah, it was my lifelong dream, but I just never did it. And here he was dying saying he wished he had done it. And, you know, when I had that, you know, that time with him, I thought to myself, well, I don't want to have that same experience, you know, reach the end of my life and, and think, what haven't I done that I wanted to do? Or at least try it out and see, hey, it didn't work. I don't like it. Let's try something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest... Um, struggles that business owners have um, can be with sales. I know <laughs> I said to um, <laughs> one of my dear friends who runs a networking uh, group that, oh, I'm not a salesperson. She goes, dear, you run a business. You are a salesperson. Okay. So you noticed that you were having a struggle with sales. Yeah. What, how, talk to me about that. How was that tied to your desire for approval and acceptance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting how that happened. It was one of my blogs. I, I began to realize that um, through selling, I was actually wanting to get people to like me. So in the beginning, I was not having much success. I was calling at least 50 people every couple of days, um, cold calling, and, and getting mostly no. Um, and I, and then when they would say, immediately say no, I'd be like, okay, well, it's nice talking to you, whatever. And, and I found that I really just wanted them to like me and say, please call me back so we can talk. And I was like, well, this isn't a business. I, I really need to actually make money. So I started to examine what was holding me back. And the key component, what kind of smacked me upside the head one day was when I had someone call me for advertising on Savvy Business. At that point, I was up to 40,000 listeners per month. And he said, I love your platform. I want to get on. I want to advertise. I said, great. Our, our fee is X, Y, Z. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't usually pay for this sort of thing. So I'm thinking we can do a trade. I'll give you some marketing and you give me some advertising. And I said, well, there's nothing wrong with trading services. I didn't want to really trade services with this guy. Um, so I said, no, that's you know, that's quite all right. We have our marketing down. Um, the, here's our prices. And so he wouldn't let up. He just kept badgering, badgering, saying, no, no, you don't know how much value I can add. You got to take me, 
you got to put my ads up there. So we kept going back and forth. And then finally I said, yes, I said, I'll do your ads. And uh, you know what? I came off that phone call, not only really, really depressed, but at that point in time, because it was very early on in my business, I was hungry. I had very little money in my bank account, no food in the refrigerator, and I was hungry. And I'm thinking, I just left this money on the table and gave him free services because I wanted him to like me. It was like that was the moment, like the lightning bolt that let me realize that I was doing this because I wanted him to like me and I'm letting myself starve in the process. And that was the moment I said, no more bullcrapper. This is done. And so after I had a good cry, next day I, I made four sales. But it was kind of like I had to get over my own hurdle of like what stopped me here from making the sale. And it was really that I wanted him to like me more than I wanted the money. Absolutely. Well, that's kick butt that you made four <laughs> sales the next day. <laughs> you know, I've belonged to barter organizations and I think they have their place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I've also been in barter situations, trade situations where outside of an organization where I felt like the usefulness of what the trade was has kind of run its course. So then it becomes a little bit tricky. Um, the other thing is that when people who don't know you approach you with that trade, my insight on that is that they don't value what you have. Exactly. And that's usually, a, or it should be at least a red flag <laughs> to say, that's probably not my ideal client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It, it it isn't. And in fact, actually, later on, he 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 kind of kept trying to push for more services. And I could tell he just didn't have value in what I was giving. And he thought it should be free. And when you give away free, that, well, pretty much that's what you're worth, free. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and the same thing came on later on. People would say to me, oh, you know, I have a friend who does their um, advertising for half the cost. And, you know, they get more advertisers. I'm like, yeah, but do they have value? Are, are they getting more listenership? Or are they seen as something as value? Um, so, you know, I didn't break from there. From that point on, if someone's interested in working with me, either it, it fits in their value range and their budget or not. And we can, you know, there are times where people say, hey, it doesn't fit my budget now, but they'll come back a year later. But if you stand your ground on what, what value you're giving and make sure that you always give more than you're asking for, you will have people come back, especially if you not only over deliver, but you give exceptional customer service, which Absolutely. is key. Uh, no, yeah. I agree. I completely agree. You know, I tell my team all the time, you know, let's, let's over deliver, you know, on what we, mm -hmm. <laughs> on what we do instead of over promise, under promise, over deliver. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, people come back going, wow, I got so much more than I expected. <laughs> Perfect. Now, you, you gave us an example there, clearly, of getting outside of your comfort zone, and it led to some personal growth with your sales. Tell me about that. You mean with that guy on the phone and how I kind of just pushed past that idea of acceptance? Well, not just that, but how that in general is key to personal growth. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely is. Because then from that point forward, I started to examine other parts of my life. Where am I also doing this and stopping myself and looking for approval? And, you know, look, look at, look at this, Denise, there's one thing I've been told often where you're out and about and you're thought you shouldn't ask for that. You're asking for too much. And I'm like, well, who decides what too much is? And I remember when I first started doing my pricing, cause that's another thing that's a sticky point. Where's the sweet spot? You know, first you have to realistically look at what is the market value for whatever it is that your service is. And then, you know, based on that, okay, here's market values between, you know, $1 and $10 and I'm going to charge $5, but make sure I always over deliver. 
Well, um, when I first started doing my pricing, some friends of mine who are maybe not business owners still in corporate America were like, well, who do you think you are charging blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, that's what the market value is based on listenership and downloads. And, um, but I started to feel icky about it. So, and I said, well, what's that about? So I started to realize that it wasn't just when I was doing the pricing, it was everything in life. I had uncomfortableness asking for anything. So one day I remember going out and it was snowing like crazy. It was a big snowstorm in New York. And I went to the grocery store and um, they, because of the snowstorm, they decided to shut down deliveries. I didn't have a car. I had come nine blocks out with a little granny cart. I had filled up the granny cart and now they're saying deliveries are all stopped. Well, yeah. I said, you know what? You know what? That I, I need delivery. So I went to the manager. I said, hey, I've been here an hour. I've been you know, picking up stuff and putting it in my granny car. I don't have a car. Can you please make an exception? This is something very uncomfortable for me, asking for something. So he said, all right, you're the last one. No one else after you. Everyone around me was like, I hate you. Because you know, I was <laughs> at the back of the line. But get, get this girl. Not only that, I leave the grocery store and I walk back home and I'm, you know, with my granny car trying to go over snow hills. And my car is completely under snow. And I see this, um, what do you call it? This plow, you know, who's by the city, just unplowing, like by the school across the street from me. And you know what I said to myself, I said, you know what, how helpful it would be if he could plow my car out that just is on the corner by the school. So on a whim, I just decided to, I'm having such good luck with asking today. Let me just go out there on a limb. And I went up to this, you know, um, this guy in the, in the plow thing. And I said, Hey, could you, you know, kind of help me out and maybe plow some of my car out? I'd really, I appreciate it. I could even pay you if you want after you're you know, done doing the school thing. He said, well, you know, we work for the city. We're not supposed to do that, but you know, I'll see what I can do. Do you know, an hour later I came out, my car was the only one who was dug out. <laughs> Taught me a great lesson about asking. <laughs> yes. If you don't ask, it's always no. Yeah, exactly. If you do ask, it could be a yes. <laughs> <laughs> this goes hand in hand, what we were talking about, about fear and, and approval of others. That not wanting to ask was me, oh, I got to be nice. I can't ask for things. You know, mm -hmm. we grew up with that. So that was just another lesson for me that it's okay to ask and they might say no, but it's still okay to at least put it out there. I think sometimes that fear is also linked to a feeling of not deserving. Um, like, oh, you know, maybe I don't deserve to get my car plowed because there's five other cars on the street. They're not going to get it if I ask for just me. Yeah. So I, I think there's uh, some other potential right. emotional things going on. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. It, it's tied into that. But it's all a self-worth thing. It's like, well, mm -hmm. I'm not worthy to ask for that. But, you know, as you do little things like that, you begin to have more confidence in yourself and say, hey, it's okay for me to ask for this sale or it's okay for me to ask, can you dig my car out? <laughs> Absolutely. So, and I know that you have had a hectic lifestyle in the past and that played into some health issues. Um, but you did a 180 on that and turned that around. How did you do that? Well, it started with me like getting clear on what I wasn't happy about. Cause I think I, when we started this conversation, I mentioned how I was in corporate and I had had this idea that one day when I reached success, whatever that, you know, in that, in that moment, success was reaching the pinnacle of some VP in a big organization where now I'm making six figures and I live in a penthouse in New York. That's my idea at the time of success. So I said, you know, if I keep re working to that, I'm going to reach that and then everything will be awesome. 
well, every year I'm working really diligently at these companies. I'm getting promoted. I'm getting more money. And you know what? I'm not happier. In fact, I'm more and more stressed. I'm getting more and more chubby, more and more unhealthy. And it really, the waking point was one day coming into work and having chest pains or just before work, having chest pains in the morning, early morning. And I was like panicked. I'm like, I don't want to go to the hospital by myself. So I just texted my friend saying, having chest pains, but going off to work to do payroll now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I go into work and I just told my boss, hey, I have a little chest pain, but you know, I'll let you know if anything gets out of whack and I'm going to go do payroll. And my friend starts texting me, you have to get out of there right now and go to the hospital. You could be having a heart attack. I'm like, nah, now I'm fine. As soon as I finish my payroll. And so, you know, it was getting more and more uncomfortable, but I was ignoring it. Um, and I did the payroll and then I said to my boss, you know, I'm just going to head on to the emergency room to make sure I'm okay. And he said, yeah, yeah, make sure you're back in about an hour. Well, I wasn't, but <laughs> you have no idea what it's like when you go check into an emergency room and say you have chest pains, they have you stripped and, and needles and IV in less than you can say a heart attack. You're, you're in a bed, needles up you, uh, so fast. They make you a patient because they don't know if you are and about to have a massive heart attack and, you know you know, need a cart. So uh, they just had me totally stripped down. They had me doing all these tests and whatever. And so I wasn't out of there until like midnight. Uh, But nevertheless, it found out that there was something going on in my chest. But for the most part, I wasn't dying of a heart attack. Um, That was good. Thank God. (laughs) Um, But it was a wake up call. They said, you have to chill on your stress. So I went to work the next day and I told my boss, well, you know, the doc said I have to chill on my my stress level. Um, I didn't have a heart attack, but I had something going on in my chest. They don't know quite why, but you know, I have to chill. And my boss was like, well, you didn't have a heart attack. So you should have been right. You should have been right back within an hour. So, you know, we're going to have to dock you. And that's really kind of unbelievable to me. I know. And, And me too. And at the moment I was just like, you know what? what am I doing? What, what am I doing? It it just hit me at that moment. What am I working for? My whole idea of, you know, I call this book having it made for a reason because my idea at the time was I'll have it made. I'll be successful when I reach that VP position, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm killing myself. I'm doing, you know, work first. And he's telling me you should come in. You didn't have a heart attack. So if I'm not in the body bag, I should have been here to me at that moment. That's when I started to question, this is ridiculous. And that's when, you know, I started talking to my old boss at um, another company I worked at. He just told me, you know, you should branch out, start your own biz. And he was the one that kind of pushed me, my, my boss prior to that, to really start my own business. But that was kind of the pinnacle of waking me up to this is insane. This idea of success in this, in this way is nuts. And it started me on my journey to moving forward and starting a business. That's an incredible story. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad everything is okay, but I just, wow. Um, I can't imagine having a boss like that. I think I've been fortunate enough to never have a boss like that. And I hope that I don't, I'm not ever that type of a boss. No, no. I mean, if you're, if you're so aware, and I think that's what it is when you're aware of yourself and you work on yourself, I don't think you can be a boss like that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, You've had a lot of lessons. What would you say is the greatest lesson you've ever learned in your life? I think the the greatest lesson I've learned so far is that tomorrow's never promised. So, you know, we put off, oh, start the new business, start the diet. Oh, you know, one more whatever donut. (laughs) (laughs) For me, that that moment where he said you should have been here instead of at the hospital was me and my start to, okay, what's next? 
this is not working for me. And it started me looking at, you know, instead of worrying about my health tomorrow, because I'm going to worry about payroll today or this job today, I'm going to do this today for me and pay attention to me. So I, I then put myself first and started taking care of myself, um, you know, eating better um, and just having a less stress. Because when I start to look at, oh, here's what I love. Let me look into getting away from this, this stressful environment, starting something that is my passion and, and something I can serve the world better. The, that was yet another thing taken off of me stress-wise, and, and stress is a big killer as well. So all of those things started to work into me just living a better lifestyle and uh, not waiting for tomorrow to do all of that. Because I think that's what a lot of us do. We wait for, oh, well, you know, until we get the kids go off to college and until I finish this job in, in a couple of years. And then before you know it, you're on your deathbed and you're gone. I, I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. And um, stress is one of those things that I struggle with. So I, I relate to everything that you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Now, if there's one thing that you would want our listeners to take away from our conversation today, what would that be? Mm. I say the biggest thing um, to take away from our conversation today is don't wait for tomorrow uh, because tomorrow is not promised. You might, you might leave the house and get killed today. You never know. So put what's important to you first, uh, with family, God, your health, and don't wait for tomorrow. And don't let fear hold you back. Great advice. Great, great advice. <laughs> so, Christina, um, tell our listeners how they can find you. I know you have your own podcast, so I'd love for you to share that because um, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that folks can, can reach out to you afterwards if they would like to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They can go to lifeunscriptedradio.com or savvy, S-A-B-B-Y, businessradio.com. Both of them lead you to right the same place. And on that website, uh, we have some wonderful free resources on the resource page, as well as getting a copy of our book, my book, if you'd like, Having It Made. And uh, that way you can hopefully get your own Having It Made story. That's wonderful. Christina, thank you so much for joining me today. You betcha, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.